Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Snow the Goalie. We've got a special episode. We have uh, an interview right off the top today. Uh, some interesting things uh, coming up in Flyers land that we want to get to. And then um, after that, we have a lot to get into, not only with the team, uh, a list of the top 50 under 24 players uh, affiliated with NFL or NHL franchises. May as well be the NFL at this point. The NHL franchises. Uh, your team, your town, your Philadelphia Flyers have... Uh, how many? Well, well, we'll get there in a second. Don't worry. I'm sure we each have a lot to say about it. Before we get there, let me really quick. I'm inspired by uh, ABC. Beauty and the Beast. Let me do the intros really quickly. First, let's start with the beauty. Bundy, the birthday boy. How you doing, fella? Just another year older, which is actually only a day older because we don't really go. Like, if you actually went from the year before and took a whole year off, that I'd be 51. I don't feel any damn different, Russ. It's good to be here. <laughs> Uh, every day they say after you know 50 or six feet above the ground it's a good day and i'm going with that adage right now so great to be back boys got home from the freezing cold uh, canada played a game of uh, pickup hockey as i said with my boys up there we got to uh, talk one, about that bundy one later in the show i want to i yeah. want to ask you about pickup hockey up in canada at at uh, at, at your age so yeah yeah was, <laughs> talk about it I got yeah. a story for you. <laughs> Wait, a Wait a second. Now, if I remember correctly, last week, and you referred to Bundy as being like effectively the same general age range. Are we, you? We are. We were born in the same decade. Are you yeah. trying? Are you trying to make like Bundy this like super elder statesman? Are you like? Are you? Are you trying? No, I, I can't even get on. I can't even tie. I couldn't even bend over to tie my skates at this point in my life. <laughs> so the fact that but the fact that Bundy's even out there, it's mad respect from me. You kidding? Okay. Uh, and then, of course, if he's the beauty, that makes Anthony also the beauty. Hello there, fella. How are you doing this I'm doing week? Fan- fantastic, Russ, as always. Uh, yeah, just uh, just living the dream. You know, another another day of, uh, you know, get- getting through the physical therapy. And uh, hopefully uh, one day soon I'll be able to do something more than walk on flat ground without pain. Now that he's pulling out our heartstrings, it's time to uh, welcome a guest to the show. And I usually do these intros, but this is somebody who Anthony has known for quite some time. So I'm actually going to let Anthony do the sure. intro here because, uh, you know, Ant, go, go ahead. Yeah. And you know what? Bundy also has known uh, our guest for some time, too. Yeah. So but I'll but I'll take the honors here. Uh, joining us on the program um, is uh, the executive director of Flyers Charities. Uh, and Senior Vice President of Community Relations, Cindy Stutman. Hello, Cindy. Da-da-da. Welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing Good fantastic. And, and you know, it, it, I had to switch screens just to read your title because I think you've had more titles uh, than years <laughs> you've been on the earth since you've worked for the Flyers. <laughs> I've been around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's great to see you. It's great to have you here. Uh, we're really thrilled to, uh, to have you on Snow the Glow. First, this is a first time that we're getting somebody from uh, the community side, the business side of the, of the team, to, to really come on and talk about what you, some of the initiatives you guys are up to. So I wanted to thank you for, uh, for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be the first. Yes, yes. Um, so let, let's dive into a, a little bit. I mean, you, I, I know that um, you've kind of uh, your role has kind of 
transitioned over into into this thing uh since really since the pandemic um i think prior to that you were you were still doing some other stuff but um i, I know that you've really kind of tied into some some real goals that you want to focus on uh with flyers charities um, and community relations so i want to maybe like kind of talk about those first before we get into the specific events that you guys uh, are putting together and, and and have coming up but can you talk a little bit about that and really kind of trying to um you know how things are, are are kind of shifting a little bit now that you're that you're kind of running the show yeah well look the pandemic changed everything for all of us right so on the flyers charity side it gave us a lot of time to sort of reset think about where we were at and where we wanted to be and as an organization, we were really good about impacting a lot of organizations and giving gifts to organizations throughout the Philadelphia area. Um, but we were giving to so many organizations. We were like, you know what? We want to have more of an impact. So we reset. We said, you know what? Let's start to have real partnerships with a smaller number of organizations and give bigger, more substantial gifts. We're, we're really, really making an impact, right? So we really re- invented Flyers Charities, for lack of a better word, with that philosophy in mind. And we're focusing on three areas. So obviously, we're focusing on families impacted by cancer. That's how Flyers Charities started. And that's literally our the foundation of our foundation. Um, we're focusing on growing the game of hockey, which we've done for a long time, I think most notably with Snyder Hockey and how closely we work with them. And a new area for us is sustainability and environmental responsibility. So seeing what we can do there in the local area to make a difference. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, one of the things that I think that you guys probably in the last close to a year, it's almost a year, I think, at this point. So we could say the last year um, have really done a good job of, of doing is reconnecting with this fan base and this community. Um, you're, you're on it. The fact that you're on snow, the goalie, when we were maybe the most critical of the way things were prior um, is a real testament to, you know, just how far you guys have come in back in the other direction. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that, about trying to, to reconnect with the, with the community and the fans in, in a way that maybe it used to be for a long time and, and then kind of, you know, diverted for a while. Yeah, look, I mean, you, you were around for a long time, Bundy. You were obviously with the team. Like, this was who we are with the Flyers. We were um, we were known for giving back to the community and the connections we had to the community. Look at the Carnival. It's best-in-class charity event in sports, over four decades strong. And really, we go through the pandemic, and we were almost three years out from players really being able to do anything in the community, be in front of people even. So coming out of it, we were like, all right, this is the perfect opportunity to completely come back and come back in a big way, right? So we said, um, hey, listen, we want to have every player match to a community organization, a community initiative, a community effort, and um, they're going to be ambassadors and they're going to be back bigger than they ever were. And, you know, we went to Hockey Ops, they were all for it. And, you know, when we do media day, I mean, you guys know the players go around to different stations and they're taking pictures and doing holograms and videos, but we had a community station and they stopped with us along the way. And we sat with them and talked about what they were active in now community wise, what they wanted to be active in. You know, and some guys, the guys that have been around for a little while, they had causes they were already really deeply entrenched in and wanted to continue. Some of the younger guys were like, I'll do whatever, like expose me and let me figure out where I should land and, and gave us some of their interests. 
And from there, we've, we've now matched every guy with a cause or an organization and have, have done it really, like I said, in a big way. December was really, really active for us. You saw some stuff already. We have three or four things happening again on Tuesday. Um, and, and you'll see when you, as you look back on what we've done so far and really what's coming, these guys are, are tied to causes that are important to them. And it shows once we put them out there, they're really, really, they've been spectacular. We went to the... Um, SPC, PSPCA the other day um, with Provi and Risto and that they inspired a um, the initiative we did the other day. They, they had just rescued 26 dogs from one home and um, we named them all each after a guy on the team just because they, they inspired it during their visit. And it was just like a fun way to bring awareness to, you know, an important cause. And, and that's what they do too, right? They, it's great for them to get out, but we get to shine the light on some of these organizations that need it. And, and that's all part of it. Cindy, what do you We're, guys, when you, I, I've been part of uh, probably, I don't know, maybe close to 30 carnivals, maybe 25 at least. And I've seen the variance over the years, um, you know, different interest levels from the public, the players, the organization. And I, you know, I think when, uh, you know, I even think that maybe the lead up to the mid 2015s, I thought the carnival lost in a lot of ways of what it once was. I remember when we used to have it back in the late nineties, we'd be waiting around at the end of the day, see how much money it made. They're like, did we hit the $1 million mark? And that was kind of the, I remember the benchmark where we were talking about it. Tell us Cindy what, where you're at with that in terms of, cause it is a charity. The money it does is going to great causes. How do you guys get back to the, the monetization of the, of the carnival, but also what will you do that's going to be kind of fresh and new for, for the Philadelphia people that, quite frankly, have missed the carnival for the last three years? And to some of them, it'll be a first-time event. Yeah, look, this is our signature event, right? And we're coming back, like you said, after three years. And, and we went on sale about a month ago. And really, it's people have missed it. It's coming back sales-wise. So you guys know in a really big way, it's going to be bigger and better than ever. Um, but we try to balance raising as much money as we can, right? Because that's what it's about, how much yes. we can give back to the community, but also how to make it an event people want to come to and have fun with their families. So all of the stuff that people love will always be there, right? The players will be there with autographs and pictures and all that stuff. The Ferris wheel, the Ferris wheel is free now for everybody that comes with a ticket. Um, kids are free. So you buy your adult ticket and you can bring up to four kids for free. Um, and we, we've tried to add some more family things, right? So we just added a breakfast with Gritty. Um, that'll happen before the carnival. So it's an orange and black themed menu, which will taste better than that sounds, I promise you. <laughs> um, and Gritty will be there with like a whole interactive day for or morning for kids with, um, you know, a whole, a whole program before they even get to the, to the main event, right? So we're going to bring in more games, um, more activities, and, and we'll announce more along the way. So I don't want to reveal too much, but there will definitely be things to do that you haven't done before if you're at the carnival. And a lot of the guys have never been to a carnival before because we haven't done it in three years. So it'll be fans' first opportunity to meet a lot of these players. Cindy, like, and, and this is not, uh, I want to be very clear here. This is not a, uh, a shot at the current team, the, the team on the ice. They, they are what they are. When you've been part of carnivals in the past, you know, like we always talk about the fact that like it's hard uh, on the ticketing side and on the marketing side, especially if, it, you know, if you're not a Stanley Cup contender, you can see uh, you know, maybe some difficulty getting people in, in the door. Historically, have you seen any kind of a, of a difference between uh, the enthusiasm surrounding the carnival or the amount of people who, who show up to the carnival on a year where like, the team might not be as good versus you know, a, a year where they really do look like contenders or 
is this something that's just like so universally loved that you know you expect i don't know maybe like the largest attendance in history you know three years after the last one i think that this is a, if you're a fan this is this is the event that sort of transcends all that other stuff what happens on the ice right this is a day for kids for families and and that stuff really doesn't impact it in, in as as much as I think you might think it does. Um, and especially this year, right? It's been three years since we've done this. So these like what's what's coming this year and the players that'll be there this year, it's, it's a really a, a first crack at all of these guys and to meet them and get pictures. And I can't tell you how many times, I mean, Anthony, you know, I talked to season ticket holders that have been around for a million mm -hmm. years. I worked with them for so long. And there's, they still show me pictures of their kids and their grandkids at carnivals over the years. And it means a lot to people. It's an experience that, that fans take with them. My, my mom and dad still have, Cindy, I want, I want to point this out. They, they saved it. And I don't even have a VCR, so I can't even watch it at my house. But when in 1985, I'm showing my age, uh, <laughs> my dad took me and my sister to the carnival. And we got to we did a photo with Brad Marsh, who was on the team at the time, uh, with the Stanley Cup. And it ended up they actually the, a cameraman for CBS was filming, and it ended up on the news. And my mother thought it was the greatest thing in the world. And she still pulls it out at her house at family events. Like, look at Anthony and, and Danielle when they were little. Blah, blah. I mean, that's the kind of thing. And kind of you know, when you're a fan, it doesn't matter what the team is, right? How good they are, how bad they are. It's the memory of, oh, do you remember that? And even now that I'm around the team and have been around the team and have even worked for the team, it, she still will bring it out. And they're like, okay, mom, that's enough. I mean, I'm, I'm almost 50. Okay, it's enough. We don't need to do this anymore. But it just goes to show <laughs> what, the kind of, what, what this carnival means to people that it transcends what actually happens on the ice. Totally. And we need a copy of that tape for sure. No, 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 no. <laughs> that does not get, that well, does not get out. My Anthony, you have hair. Yeah, my first year. Yeah. And I never, I'll never forget like walking in and going, what the hell is it? Like this was the biggest thing I'd seen. I wasn't a hockey game. And you became pretty quick, understood very quickly how much part of the fabric of Philadelphia Flyers lore and history it had become. So I'm looking forward to it coming back, Cindy. Good luck with it. I mean, it's going to be great. Thank and you. I know we'll do our job getting people out. It's, it is. If you have families, kids, uh, even young adults, like, you know, teenagers, come on out and meet your, meet your favorite players, your older players, uh, whatever it might be. But it is, it's a really great day and one that I was completely in awe of, Anthony. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's cool. Now, Cindy, this is not the only event that it you guys not. got going on. One that, the one that I want to talk to you a little bit about, because I think this is kind of brilliant, and if it's your idea, take credit for it, please. <laughs> but you guys got coming up in just a couple of weeks casino night talk to us a little bit about that and, and what goes into that because there's also kind of like a there's kind of an a, a, a play aspect where if you're like the best player at the casino night you can win like really cool stuff like like really high-end stuff so let's talk a little bit about that yeah for sure so this I mean, I've, I've been with the flyers for 20 years now and i don't there's never been an event quite like this everything that the players have been at have been like, you know, meet and greets and, and things like that. This is an opportunity to really hang out with these guys for a night. Um, it's at Rivers Casino, January 12th. And just like you said, it's a casino night. So we'll have, you know, all the, the big games, blackjack, craps, yeah. roulette, um, get a certain amount of chips with your admission. And, you know, look, we're, we're a team, so it's competitive. Um, you want to win as many chips as you can. 
and the top three chip winners will win prizes. And we have some great prizes. We're going to have a, a two-game road trip. We'll send you on the road, two cities, uh, hotel, airfare, obviously, game tickets. We're going to throw in a happy hour with Coatsy, I think, to make it really an experience that you'll never forget. Um, that might not be more. It might be a little bit more than an hour. Happy hour from one one to nine p.m. <laughs> happy hours. <laughs> It was really hard to get him to agree. I'm sure you guys can appreciate that. Um, we're going to have a VIP golf experience, and then we're going to have like a flyer for a day, souped up, <laughs> crazy day, game tickets, and really every behind-the-scene access you could imagine at the Wells Fargo Center. So really cool prizes and cocktail event, uh, open bar, great food, and the whole team will be there, coaches, everybody. So it'll be and, they're particip and they're participating as well, Oh, yeah, correct? yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like yeah. you're gonna be sitting at the blackjack table with a few players, two players maybe, or whatever the case might be. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's gonna be a great night. You had mentioned before that uh, Provorov and, and Ristolainen uh, helped with the the SPCA. Have you found like, if you had to? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. <laughs> uh, have there been like any real standouts on the team who are just like absolutely gung ho about like any opportunity that comes their way? Like, do you have? Are there are there any like exceptional? All of the flyers are great. They all love the community. But are there any that are just like above and beyond what you would even expect in terms of willingness to just jump into the fray? So they're all great and they all love the community, like you said. But yeah, Scott Lawton is yeah raises his hand for everything. He, you know, he was the first one to to give us the causes he wanted to be associated with. And every time we do something, he's like on that trip too. <laughs> so he will do anything, everything, and not when we ask. Like he he asks us. Yeah. That's really cool. That's that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, you know, Cindy, I, I want to say this. Uh -oh. Not a lot of people know this. <laughs> okay. But you are maybe the greatest 80s dance music person I know. 90s, 90s. Well, 80s and 90s, right, late, 80s, right. late 80s, early 90s. I know, I know. I, 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 you, yeah. you've, you've been there 20 years. You want, yeah. we, we, yeah. we, right. we get it. Okay. <laughs> You're a little bit younger. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I, if we had to, if we were putting on um, uh, a, a dance competition, let's just say, what would be the the go-to if, if Sydney Stockman was going to go out there and rock it out and win our dance competition, what would be the one song that you would want to go out and, 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 and win to? I don't even have to hesitate. DJ Cool, let me clear my throat. <laughs> no question. Not even a doubt, right? No. Not even a doubt. Although I do remember there was a time. I know uh, what you're going to say. It takes two. Yes. That's yes. one A. That's one That's A. one A. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cindy used to. Cindy used to just every once in a while rock it out in the office. Do you have like? Do you have anything embarrassing about Anthony? Like, there's a lot of embarrassing about Anthony. But, like, <laughs> Go right ahead. If you got throw it back at him, because that's totally fair. That's fair game right now. I'm definitely not going to say anything before I see this edit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is no, no Anthony is great. <laughs> no edit. This is <laughs> this is going to go right up. Uh, we're gonna, it's, it's totally, you know, raw, unfiltered. If, if there is, listen, if Anthony was notorious for leaving dishes in the sink, if he was notorious for, uh, I don't know, like finding the snacks, it now is, now's the moment. 
No, I really wasn't. I mean, I think if we're trying to find an embarrassing thing, we got to get our hands on that VHS tape. That's right. Sure. That's right. But I'll I'll give you one that this isn't really embarrassing, but it's it, but I know Cindy did it on purpose and it was very funny. It was very well done by her. Uh, there was a time when it was in the summer we used to do like these team building events, and she had this one where we were doing this murder mystery, and she put me on a team with like four other incredibly competitive and <laughs> talkative people. And we couldn't solve it because we were all talking all over each other. <laughs> and she used that as an example of this is why this is not how to be a good team player. And <laughs> I was like, she did. I can't believe that she purposely put uh, put me with people who she knew that I would, you know, we would all go over, talk all over one another. And it was a great thing. It was a great leadership uh, idea by her. Uh, meanwhile, the quieter teams were able to solve the murder and we had no chance. Wow, that so. sounded sort of mean, so I'm sorry for that. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it wasn't, you had it the was opportunity to fire back. There's nothing wrong with it. It was <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. Are you watching uh, anything good on, on Netflix right now or, or any other streaming service? Anything I'm probably fun? not watching anything that you guys would watch. I'm like <laughs> deep into the reality TV world. Let's deep. go. All right, go, go on. Russ is, is going to be your, your spirit animal. Go to the head. So like Netflix, I just finished Love is Blind. Okay. Ah, I don't, I don't but my daughter but I, does. I've, I've yeah. seen I've seen bits and pieces. It's I was it's I was addicting. a fan of F Boy Island on uh, HBO Max. That was a I'm really you haven't watched that, that, that yet. That's the one that I put it on my list. I, I watched that. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. It got there canceled. Go. I was kind of yeah. sad. I was looking forward to a season three. I don't know how you like do the final. Yeah, uh, I don't know how that gets that gets canceled. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. There, there's one going around on TLC right now that we're not going to talk about on this show, but like there, it was blowing up Twitter, and I'm I'm very confused. It apparently has a big twist to it. We'll see. Um, I wanted to ask you really quick. The um, you know, one of the the things here, open lines of communication, and and kind of reaching out to the community. Is there a place where, say, somebody who's watching the show, listening to the show, says, "I think that this is a really great cause," or uh, I would love to see, you know, the Flyers work with this group. How do people get in touch with you? How do they get in touch uh, with with this arm of the organization and, and you know, pass that information along? They can. It's, it's easy to find us. Just go to flyerscharities.com. You can link there to email us, send us a message. There's programs you can um, register organizations for. We do a really, really great school assembly program that we started this year. Um Everett, who's our in-arena host, hosts it, and they were just at a school this morning with 500 screaming elementary school kids. And let me just plug it really quick because it's really cool. What we do is we go teach them about hockey and fitness, but in order for um, us to go to the school and do this really great, um, uh, it's called Recess, this really great recess program, they have to commit to teaching hockey in their gym class for two weeks. So we'll give them the equipment, they'll teach hockey, and it's just another way we grow the game on the CR side. But anyway, yeah, so you go to flyerscharities.com. You can register awesome. for register your school for that, uh, find us for any of the other programs, and buy tickets for any of the fundraising events we do. Very cool. awesome stuff. Cindy Stutman, thank you so very much thank for coming you. on to know the goalie. It was, a, it was a real pleasure to have it you on. It was. Thanks, guys. Yeah, and we'll see, you, uh, we'll see you down at the arena sometime soon. Sounds good. All right, take All right, it easy. Again. All right, guys, so uh, let's dive in now. A big thank you to Cindy for, for coming on today. Um, let's get down to brass tacks on the team. I just have one question. What's that, Bundy? Which one of the 17 languages will Coatsy speak at the nine-hour happy hour? 
Dude, I heard him on the radio the other night, dude. I thought he was doing it in Korean. Like, <laughs> I, I, I got a funny story. I was Real like, quick. what is going on here? We were in we were in Denver one year. I want to say it was oh, 20, 2011, 2012, one of those years. Um, and there was a bad snowstorm on a Sunday. And so the, the practice got canceled. They were playing Monday in, in Colorado, but the Sunday practice got canceled. So I figured, eh, we got nothing to do. I can't leave the hotel. I'm going to go downstairs, just go sit at the bar, maybe watch a football game, and then be on our way. Well, Coatsy's down there. He's like, oh, Anthony, here, join me. Join me. So I sit down with Coatsy. Think I'm just going to grab some lunch, watch the first half of the game. We watched the early game, the late game, and the night game. And I was not allowed to leave that bar with Coatsy. So that was an experience. When you said one to nine, you weren't far off there, Bundy. <laughs> it was it was a hell of an experience. One of my yeah, favorite he, trips ever yes. because it was great. It was hysterical. But man, did Coatsy and I put away a, a number of drinks that that Sunday afternoon and evening. That should be an enjoyable happy hour. And I wish whoever wins it the very best of luck with that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, go ahead, Ross. So, so guys, I don't know. If, I don't know if you noticed this or not. Um, the Flyers, uh, we we got a little bit of feedback to last week's show. Some of it very good. I will say, like, there, there have been times, I think you, and especially you, you know, we've, we've been doing this for a long time together. You know, like, there are times where I sit back and I just go, God damn, like, I just want to have fun again. And I will tell you, the last two weeks, I think we've put out fun shows. Uh, sometimes they hurt a little bit. I think they hurt some fans to to kind of come to grips with with where the team's at. And it's okay, but it seems like, We've been a, a source of healing for a lot of fans, which is very cool, very appreciative. Um, a lot of people said last week's episode might have been the best one we've ever done, uh, which is very cool. So Bundy, you know, it's that it's that wit, it's that charm that you bring to the table. Um, but there were some people who I, I don't even know if I'd say constructive criticism, but they said, you know, there I'm I'm looking for more analysis of the team. And I don't remember which one of you it was. One of you responded back. I think it was Ant. Said something to the effect of like, all right, well, given what the team is right now, like what exactly would you like us to talk about? Like what exactly do you want us to dive into? Well, Anthony, I took that to heart. I reached out to our Twitter community of over 330 people now, I think. It, it's grown. It was in the description of last week's episode. I'll put it in the description of this week's episode as well. It is a fun group of human beings who for some reason – uh, are still hell-bent on watching this team, following this team. Uh, and I, I asked this morning, you know, what do you want to hear about? So I want, I want us to be, as we've always been, a show of the people, by the people, for the people. One of the biggest things that people asked is about Cam Atkinson, because he still just seems to remain in limbo. Uh, and, and John Tortorella uh, has said recently that, you know, the, the thought is that he could he could ramp up. There's been a timeline floated um, about, you know, two weeks or so away. Got conditioning. He has been back around the team. Do you have any updates on Cam Atkinson, which honestly has become like, I don't I don't want to with a negative connotation, but it's essentially replaced the Ryan Ellis story as being the what the hell is going on story. I really don't have anything new other than the last time we, you know, where I gave, what I gave you the last time we spoke. Um, I, I know that they are trying to get him back. He's was out on the trip. He was skating with the team. Um, 
So when you see him at practices and, you know, I know he got, you know, uh, there was a practice, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago where he was really physical in, in practice with Ristolainen and, and the like, I think that, so I think that there are, they are trying to get him there. Um, it's probably just a matter of getting him getting clearance at this point. I mean, obviously if he's able to be out there at practice and he's able to bang bodies a little bit and he's, you know, able to skate, um, that's pretty much what it is. Now, the one thing that's interesting to me and Bundy, there might've been a rule change that I'm not a thousand percent aware of. And you can tell me if maybe if you know about it, usually when you get to something like this, even with a veteran player, there's usually an exemption where you can you can send them down for a conditioning assignment. And I wonder why not do something like that, you know, just to see can he play in a game? Can can his injury uh be something that he could that he could play with in a game or is it still to the point where he can't do that? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's still to come, maybe it's Maybe it's not. I don't know what the plan is. Wasn't he full? He was a full participant, though, wasn't he? In practice, he was. So that he but, was. So I, that's the part. That's I why I say. Me. That's why I say conditioning. Like, what else could it be at this point? There's, but there's a difference. But you could still condition and wear, you know, the red jersey or whatever, you know, in practice, and not to touch yeah. him. If if I'm going to the corner, I don't know it's Cam Atkinson. If he's swinging, and I go head him. I mean, that's a full participant in practice. Just getting yourself right. ready. So. When I hear the full participant, totally different than a guy conditioning with the red jersey on or the you know the the injury jersey still. So right. I don't know what's going. On. You're right though, Russ. I don't like conspiracy theories anymore. I'm kind of tired of them with the some of the bullshit that we've gone through, with, especially with Ellis. I mean, yeah, just to have that guy here was already a clown show in and of itself. I mean, just the fact that he's even here, they I, I, they acquired an injured player is a disgrace. But I, I'm done talking about injuries. When you're ready to like, when they're healthy to go, but I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, the, the problem is there's been so much crap around the injuries, right? The ones, I mean, and they've been big injuries. Yeah. You know the Couturier thing. I mean, we went through this before last year, and apparently they brought new people in to, to manage whatever was going on, and he still got injured. Listen, some people just have degenerative problems, whether it's back, hip, groin, especially your core. Those core injuries are so bad. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I wish Cam Atkins would be back in the lineup. He'd be, be a better player for the Flyers and give Konechny yeah. some help on those wings scoring. But, man, I'll tell you what, it's a, there's a lot more mystery in these injuries than there probably needs to be. And I think a lot of it is messaging. When you say a guy's a participant in practice and that's what you're seeing and he's not ready to go, that is mixed messaging a little bit. So I always want the guy to be healthy. And that's the first thing, right, Anthony and Russ? Like you want the guy to be fully ready to go. But, again, I, I hate a surrounding – mystery about stuff because i don't think there has to be yeah and like i we're, we're not going to speculate the right. i guess the question and and I, I don't know bundy maybe you can talk to this but like if you're a player and and there's something going on at home like there's something going on with family or something that like your head's not totally in it but like physically you're you're able to be on the ice to practice but mentally you're not there for whatever reason like i i don't i'm again not speculating not saying that's what this is but like if there is something like that, like could could that be something? I'm not saying for him, just like in general, if your head's not in it, like if your head is just not fully in the moment, could you still be around the team, still practicing, like doing doing all that? Or is that something where like you really should be detached? Did you read my book? <laughs> I did it for a year. I yeah. mean, it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, that's why I was in my own 
my own misery and pain, right? My personal yeah. demons haunt me, especially the last year. And, and yeah, I still found a way to go to the rink and try to be a good teammate. And I was suffering, you know, but I don't know that that's an issue. Like that, that is, I hope it's not. And I doubt it is, but um, you never know. Right. Like you just don't know. I just want to see the guy back healthy. He's been an efficient player last year. You know, I just think with, for the fans, uh, you know, and, and some of the guys who've really poured a lot into the early year, especially a guy like connect me, uh, who's done a really good job. Uh, it'd be nice to see him get some support down there in the, on the wings and try to give the fans a little something to be boosted about. But um, injury bug has been a real bad one here at a big time, you know, to the core group of big time veteran players, and it's not worked out well at all. But I wish everybody hopes they come back healthy. I just don't know when that will be. And, and like I told Anthony and you before, Russ, I don't immerse myself too much in injuries. I'm about who the 20 guys are on the ice that night. Yeah. Uh, and try to try to live with that. But obviously, long-term injuries are going to affect what your team looks like, and they certainly are at this point. One of the big things that came out of uh, the last game was Kevin Hayes. Um, and can you explain to the people what happened with Kevin Hayes and and should fans be alarmed? Where, where is happened? this us? I'm sorry. Can you so, can you so, so I'll just – so I'll, I'll update it here, Bunny. We're just kind of – um, in the Devils game, uh, Hayes did not play in the third period. He was benched. Um, after the game, Tortorella was asked about it. He said it was my decision, but I'm not going to get into the reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, obviously, it wasn't any kind of injury. Um, it was Torts not being happy with his play. Uh, my my guess, having not been at the game, uh, would be that it was the way he plays in his defensive end. That seems to be the one area that Hayes really frustrates the coach. Um, he doesn't think he's a reliable player in his in his own end, and he talks so much about when he gives praise to guys, he talks about how well they play in their own end, right? I mean, that's that's what he does. And so when you see Kevin Hayes getting benched, that pretty much tells you what that is. Uh, what do I take out of it? I think that Torts is just an honest guy with his players. And, and it's just going to be, you know, he came, he said a week and a half ago, Kevin Hayes is not in my doghouse. And then ends up benching him for a period. Does that mean he's in the doghouse? Or does that mean that you were going okay for a while, but then you slipped off again, buddy. And now I got to remind you that you're not doing what I'm asking you to do. Take 20 minutes and sit on your ass. And then maybe next game you'll be better. I, I don't know. Does that work? Does that motivate a player of Kevin Hayes' ilk? I got to ask. I It has to be said. What the hell's wrong with this guy? Like, at, at some point, you just have to, like, you, you get to a point where uh, you you are constantly, constantly in the public eye because multiple coaches now have had issues with you're playing your defensive zone or have had issues with the way that you conduct yourself on the ice, not being a responsible player. Like we're at the point. I, I don't, I don't see another path here. It, it just seems like there is an inherent issue with this player and that this coach is going to probably continue to do this because this player has not to this point in his career demonstrated either the intrinsic motivation or the consistency to put out consistent effort and not piss off or alienate himself from various coaches. So like, what can they do uh, aside from continue to publicly embarrass him by benching him and hope that he waves, you know, that, that um, no trade clause. Like, I mean, I, I, 
I'm not totally sure what we're doing here. Does that make sense? Well, I think the, I think I'll just start and I'll jump. Let Anthony jump with me here on it. But I think the, the one of the issues is when you do that to a player, it it um, and I'm speaking because I know exactly what kind of emotions are involved with this. So Torts, there's a calculated risk for everything he does, and he's already measured that over the years by doing it with other teams and other players. So he's weighed the emotional response. He's weighed the fans' response everywhere. And so he's already had it seen what this looks like already. So, and he's already done it this year, right? Anthony did it once before, right? To him and connect me in a period. It actually was a message mm-hmm. received type of situation. If I'm not mistaken, they, they responded. Um, <clears throat> the problem is, is that you will eventually lose the player, whether you're trying to help the player or not. And you're really going to lose a guy who's overpaid, uh, knows he's overpaid in terms of a sense of what, what he's bringing to the team, right? He's the foremost uh, you know, highest paid guy probably in the lineup right now. But he knows himself that he's not that guy. So what will happen is the more you push on a guy, I think what happens is the player will restart to respond more negatively or with apathy, like where you're just like, I'm just going to go play and whatever this guy does to me, he's just going to do it to me. He did this, Anthony, to um, uh, Pierre-Luc, uh, uh, the guy in Columbus that got traded for Line. Um, he did not like uh, Dubois. Uh, Dubois, Pierre Dubois. Dubois, Dubois yeah. um, he got tired of kind of his act in terms of bringing the high caliber speed uh, to that lineup. Um, another guy was the one that if he, I think he was there when he was in Nashville. He went to Nashville, the big forward, um, the center uh, as well. So he likes guys that are rare, like you have a little bit of a motor in their own zone. And uh, if you're, 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 talking about, you're talking about Ryan Johansson there? Johansson. I don't know. Yeah. If the torch not him. I think he did, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. Yeah. So if yeah. you're a guy like that, that where you're just not in the zone and you're a big presence and you're not putting your stick down on the ice, you're not covering and you're not sealing off a lane. So a guy gets a shot in an overtime or makes a chance. He's he's he doesn't care. Torts, and the other problem with Torts is for him on this team, he just doesn't care. Like he's like, I don't have a team that's going to go far anyway. So if I'm going to be the guy that takes a dump on Kevin Hayes because we're already up 2-1, or we, we got up, we ended up getting the lead. And if I'm going to sit him down and we win this game anyway, well, I look like the hero. My point looks like it's a right one because he wasn't on the ice in the third period. Dude, there's so many different things that you could message with a move like that. And if he lost it, and so if the, if the Devils tied the game and won it late or won it in overtime, so what? They only gave away two goals in regulation anyway, and Hayes wasn't on the ice. So Torts already has his built in. This is like an old, like, uh, it's like an old, Jedi mind trick without actually saying any words. And that's right. exactly what he's done. He's he's getting in the guy's head, but it's calculated because I think he knows over time that I, I'm not sure the response is going to be there like it's going to be early in the year because I think a player is just going to get totally frustrated with the same crap because he's thinking in his head, geez, I thought I've been doing a pretty good job. Like no well, one else here is scoring. No one else is getting points, but I have been. I've been. I've honored the offensive part of the game and I'm getting benched for 20 minutes. Because I didn't have my best forty minutes, it's yeah. it's a double-edged sword. Well, so here's here's what I think Torts is looking at, and and I think it's a it's fair to look at it this way, and but I don't necessarily know. And I think that what you're saying, Bunny, makes a lot of sense. Do you go to that extreme where you bench him for twenty minutes, or do you just reduce his overall minutes, like slowly reduce his overall minutes, or or put him onto a lower line, or whatever the case might be? But let's if you really look at it. Um, going back to the Washington game, the last home game that they had, he did score um, a goal there uh, in, in, in that game. It was a power play goal, but he was on the ice for two goals against. 
Um, and then the Vegas game, he has the turnover in overtime that leads to the Vegas' game-winning goal. Then against Arizona, he's kind of just – he didn't have a great game. It was just kind of a blah game, just kind of, you know, just there. It, he really didn't have a great game against Colorado. He really didn't. And then the first 40 minutes against the Devils were terrible. And the thing of it is, if you look at it, he's been giving him more starts in the offensive zone. Uh, he's he's up to, I think, 50, almost 57% of his shifts are starting in the offensive zone. That's a lot. That's a lot of shifts where he's not – he's showing you. He's not really trusting him to even start in his own end. For a, for a breakout. So if you're if you're not giving him that that the game the overall game where you're playing well offensively and you're making the mistakes that are leading to goals that are costing the team, how else do you how else do you send a message to that guy to say get back to what you were doing the last time I benched you? Other than I'm going to bench you for 20 minutes again, see if it works. Yeah, and here's something else. Just to, to your credit, Anthony, pointing out a couple of weeks ago, I think talking about you know how the fact that Hayes is a point of game player. Yeah. Here's the other side of that equation where you could trade him, right? See, here's the thing. If you're a top, if you're like a top four team would acquire a guy like that late in his contract, if you're a horse shit defensive player and you're, there's not a lot of teams that are in the playoffs that are going to want to have your services if you're yeah. a very average or mediocre player. So for Torts recognize, hey, I got something here. I got a guy who's actually getting points. If I can bring his defensive level and his defensive effort into the fray, we might actually get something back for this guy beyond just another paper transaction. So, yeah. but the other part is if you do want to dump him, it, him offensively is not going to be enough because he can't play in anybody's top two lines on a Stanley cup contender. And if he's not good enough to play on a third line defensively, he does no good for your team at all anyway. But it, yeah. If, and if, if, one, one more thing, Russ, you, you have to keep benching though. Like, isn't there the law of diminishing returns on like sending this kind of message? Because what, what you could, you said this before in, in a way, one of two things will happen. Maybe he bounces back again, but if he, like, let's just say he doesn't, right? Like, let's say he sort of bounces back a little bit and then kind of starts to coast again. Now, all of a sudden you've put even more doubt into the mind of some of these teams that might look to acquire him that Tortorella who's respected in the league has tried, has tried, has tried. And this guy doesn't get it. And he's also not cheap. So like, I, I do wonder if Tortorella making these kind of statements at some point is either going to hurt his trade value, Hayes's trade value, or could ultimately tank it beyond repair because if he starts to coast, if there is a falling out, whether it's public or private, you will have tanked his value in, in an attempt to try to you know, kind of shake him back to form. Well, well, this whole thing could be moot. And this is the one thing I wanted to point out. And we, you know, a lot has happened since we last talked about potentially trading Kevin Hayes. And that is the commissioner coming out and talking about, well, they're not convinced that the escrow is going to be repaid by the end of the year. And so therefore, if it's not, the salary cap is going to pretty much be flat again for another season. If that's the case, it doesn't, Kevin Hayes could go on and be the MVP of the frigging league. He's not getting traded with that salary. I mean, in all honesty. So if 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 that's just Bettman blowing smoke to try and get you know uh, you know people to start showing up more or whatever to get the you know revenues up even a little bit, okay, fine. But if it's legit, if he's being honest, you know, and he's again kowtowing to these smaller market teams who don't want to spend money. Hello, you're playing a frigging team in a five thousand seat seat arena. 
Okay, no, no wonder they're not making any freaking money. All right, Let, let's be fair. Okay, that's the league's fault. But I mean, if, if I mean seriously, but I mean, so, but if if he's being honest and and the cap is not going to go up, and the teams know this, then wait, maybe I don't know. Then Tortorella is just going to, you know, he's got to yeah. ride the guy hard to get him ready for when they potentially could move him, even if it's another year, year and a half from now. So you got you're right, Bundy. He's got to get him to be a complete player. Otherwise, they're going to be saddled with a seven point one million dollar contract for what amounts to a second line winger uh, or third line winger on a good team, and it's not going to help the team get any better any quicker. We also talked about the NHL. T- <laughs> okay, you got me going off on a tandem now. I was going to say, yeah. you, know <laughs> you know what else they have to look forward to? The What's next that? generational talent wearing a purple duck on his jersey for the next fifteen years. No. Here you go. A good chance. Right a good up. possibility. 50 miles to the outside of LA. Great job. It's, it's yeah. absolutely it's gonna work out really well for the league. Um <laughs> that actually does bring us back to um to more of the, the questions, comments, and concerns from the Twitter community. Um, you know, we we asked the question, what do you want to hear about? Uh, what do you want to hear? Uh Jay Sequella said an announcement that Chuck Fletcher has been shit canned. Uh, that has not happened. Uh, there were a few other people who also mentioned a desire to see Chuck gone. Um, I did see a, a, a reply to a tweet, um, I think it was yesterday, that somebody said they're not going to fire Chuck Fletcher uh, before the new year because uh, the Flyers aren't heartless and they're not going to make a, a, a guy uh, go without a job through the holidays, which I, the person was serious. It, this wasn't sarcasm. So that that was something. Well, I'll tell you what, though, Russ. I mean, you, you laugh at that, but that's pretty much an NHL thing. I mean, if you go back, you got to find a hard time. You have a hard time finding players getting trade. There's even a trade freeze, believe it or not, yeah. uh, in the NHL, so that a player isn't traded during the holidays. Yeah. Um, so it kind of it, it it it's not a it's not a crazy thing to say that you know. Chuck you Fletcher's don't stolen f- money from this team for 18 months. Okay, I, look, I get you're right. I mean, I it's, he's not like, it's not like I he's going to be like, oh, I can't. He's got I an Ivy League education. I think we'll figure it out, Ant. <laughs> You know, he's not he's not like a fringe player who's like family's getting uprooted across the country. Like, let's let's at least be a little bit honest about it. Okay? But this has always gone on. They are, and, and I'll tell you what, if they were going to can him, you know, just because I know I know Bob Clark and I know what the history of this team means to him. He's not he's a guy that would say, if you're going to do that, let's not do it 15 days before Christmas. Just wait till after. It's not getting better anyway. So just right. wait till the world wait till the world juniors are over because the world juniors actually is another part of it where GMs go and to split things up a new GM would want to be with his team and that means that he wouldn't want to go to the world juniors so just let him go to the world juniors it'll be his draft picks anyway and the new GM will come in and make a choice down the road with with whatever that is and that's a really good that was a good segue there Bundy because one of Chuck Fletcher's good draft picks appears to be Cutter Gauthier and. This caused a little bit of a tiff, and it certainly has created a, a thing that Ant wanted to get into. We talked about it before we, we came on the show today. Um, Craig Button, who is a goof, put out a list of the top 50 uh, players under the age of 24 who are either playing in the NHL or are affiliated with an NHL organization. And, and as a good host does. I led off the show by saying, well, how many did the Flyers have on that list? Find out after the interview. So we're going to take a second here. I know that you guys know the answer. I know the answer. The people who are probably watching and listening know the answer, but we're going to give a few seconds here. 
50 players under the age of 24. How many are affiliated with the Philadelphia Flyers? The answer, of course, is zero. None. Nada. Nilch. Nil. I think I just made up a word. None. No Philadelphia Flyers or Philadelphia Flyers affiliated players under the age of 24 on this list of top 50. Now, sure, talking heads who do these kind of prognostications, who do these kind of lists, everything is is very uh, you know subjective. Fine. I get it. But to not have a single representative for an organization that has the kind of gravitas in the league as the Philadelphia Flyers is absurd and is honestly abhorrent. And the fact that this team hasn't been a legitimate contender in Chuck Fletcher's time, they had a a nice little run to the playoffs uh, one year for the fact that like, we don't have good winning hockey to enjoy as people who followed this team. And now apparently we don't even have a top 50 caliber under 24 player. Um, again, I, I say, why is Chuck Fletcher still here? Uh, and should there have been a Philadelphia Flyers player under the age of 24 on this list of top 50? And tell me why it's not the kid from Finland whose name I've already erased from my memory. <laughs> well, it's certainly not him. Um, but it should be it should be Cutter Gauthier. Um, he's only only gone out to, and as a freshman been dominant at BC so far this season. Um, I think he's won two Player of the Month awards already uh, in in, uh, in the NCAA. So, yeah, I mean, you can make a, you can make a significant argument there, especially since he was a guy who probably wasn't viewed as one of the top pros- as one of the top five prospects in the draft last year because he was a winger. But the Flyers did good homework and saw that he was going to be played at center and thought it would transition well, and it, it certainly has. Granted, it's, it, this is still college hockey, but you don't just walk in at 18 and start dominating unless you're a legit prospect, right? So he's got 10 goals and 6 assists, 16 points in 13 games. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's going to score. He's going to score. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's, a, there's an argument to be made for Cutter. Not to say he should have been high on the list, because if you really look at the list, like the first, the top, 25 to 30 guys, if I remember correctly, were all current NHL players. That's so what I thought. So were there guys that weren't also not in the NHL? So that's what I was yeah, wondering. Yeah, the back end. Up. The back end is the, the the last 15 to 20 are certainly prospects. So, you know, should he have been potentially somewhere in that 40 to 45 range on the list? You could make that argument, yes. Um, but other than that, uh, no. There's no one else. There's no one else to consider. For the list, who else would you consider for the list? I I don't see Faraby, it. Faraby, right? Faraby, but you know, listen, Tortorella yesterday when he was asked about Faraby, he said he's been inconsistent. We need him to be more consistent, and he can't, he says I'm not going to let him hide behind his injury. He's had enough time to get back from it by now. He basically he said it. But he, he said, said he'd be the other guy though if he had a good like he would have been the guy, right? He Faraby would have been, and if, if Morgan Frost ever was anything, he would have been a guy too. But we, you know, even despite the fact that he had a four-point game against Arizona, which probably left our friend Bill Meltzer saying, See, see, that's what he should be. That's what it is. <laughs> Yo, Meltzer, I'm I'm just gonna say it real quick. Meltzer was name searching himself on Twitter after that game. <laughs> name searching, not not tagged. He wasn't looking at his tweets. And I like Bill. Bill's a nice guy. Bill's awesome. But like Bill Bill's was definitely awesome. looking for Meltzer. I don't think he was looking for Dave yeah. Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer. Like I think he was, and and he was responding to people because, in fairness, 
he has been like the ride or die guy with Morgan yeah. Frost. Right or a lot die of with Frost. Who were yeah. making jokes at his expense about how excited Bill probably was to see that game. Um, <laughs> guys, when when we look when we look at this list, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a couple of numbers, and I, I want us to all just kind of have a moment here. The number one player on the list, the number six player on the list, the number eight player on the list, and the number 19 player on the list all have one thing in common. They were drafted after Nolan Patrick? 19 was the pick right before, but yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. They were all, they were all uh, top picks in the Nolan Patrick draft, which is, you know, it all kind of comes back to you miss on on one huge pick on like one that there was no jet going into that draft. There were no generational talents in that draft. McCarr has been, I mean, turned into one, turned into one. Yeah. Um, but like even Pedersen has turned into a solid player, very good player. And Heiskanen is a very solid player. He's your has his flaws, but he's a good player. You missed on that. It's it 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 really. I mean, and I know you, how much you hate basketball, but like it it really is the equivalent of the Markel Fultz draft. Like you you had you had a player, uh, or at least multiple players that even if they're not top 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 elite star players, would have at least been serviceable, if not above average. And I think it was Bundy a couple weeks ago said like this team is one that just has a lot of middling players, a lot of average at best players you missed on probably the most important pick to date that was not chuck fletcher that was ron hextall and you're kind of still struggling through that um if we look a little bit farther down um actually a little bit above he cole caulfield now there's a guy whose chuck fletcher's fingerprints were on chose not to draft cole caulfield chose to go uh trade down and pass again on caulfield to take york York has, I don't know, has York impressed you guys uh, since coming up this last time? Uh, Bonnie, I don't know, what, I don't know if, you know what your thoughts are on his last on this road trip, but I thought he's played really well. Um, Grant, it's four games, right? I mean, you, we're not going to sit here and say, "Oh, there we go, see, it's great." But Torts was Torts did say something that was really kind of important, and he said it was never sending Cam York down was never about his ability and his skill. He said, "I it's it's always been there." He said, "I just felt like in camp, he didn't want to be a difference maker, and sending him down to the American League was more about him finding that, finding the ability to be a guy who could come up and be a difference maker at the next level." Do they think and that he, that's what he could be, Anthony, at the NHL level? Well, not a certain. What, what, what he means by what he meant by be a difference maker, want to make a difference. Want to go out and with your style, with your play, whatever it is that you're that, that you're good at, be able to do it to help make a difference for the team. So, in other words, not they don't expect him to be a superstar, right? Number one, mm-hmm. right? But do they mm-hmm. expect him to be able to be a guy that they can rely on on a regular basis to get the puck out of the zone, go be aggressive in the offensive end, you know, be a power play quarterback that's going to you know get a bunch of points on the power play, like. You don't have to be, you don't have to be Kale McCarr. You just have to be a reliable, very good defenseman, and play well on your own end, and want to do it. He wants to see the passion. In other words, so I think you know, I think York kind of gets 
pigeonholed into being that um, he's that laid back California kid, right? You know, he's just oh, he's his, he's got like a no care attitude kind of thing. And I think what they want him to be is a little bit more of uh, you know come out and be a bastard, you know, come out there and, and be tough to play against and do the things that you need to do to help this team win. And trust your, your skill will come with it, but you got to have the right mentality and right attitude. So I think that's really more what they wanted him to see. And 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 Tort said after the game last night, he said, for this road trip, we've seen it. If he keeps playing like this, he'll stay in the lineup. No matter you know when D'Angelo comes back, um, he'll he'll stay York will stay in the lineup and somebody will come out. But if he's got to keep playing like he's played these four games. So he said he felt like that that was a good send down. It was it was one of those things that was not for an inability. It was more about an attitude, and he felt like the attitude adjustment is now there. I I will say that while superstar is certainly, uh, you're you're right. They did not expect him to be a superstar. Chuck Fletcher said that multiple times, including this past summer or last, past spring that Cam York is exactly the type of player this team needed. Uh, and there was an implication that he should be a guy who plays higher up in the lineup uh, because of his ability to connect the dots, for his ability to drive play. So while superstar might not have been the expectation, significant contributor on this team, yeah. I think is a, a totally oh, for sure. What, they, what, what, he, what, what he said when he said he was the kind of player that this team needed – he they viewed him as he's a guy who can do all the things that Shane Gostisbehar was expected to do, but never did, or uh, you know never did with consistency. Like let's put it that way. Um, so they think he can be a good offensive player, maybe not sixty points a season, but f- somewhere in that forty to f- forty to fifty range. But be so much better in his own end. Be not not put his partner in a bad position, like throw the puck around behind the net and screw his partner over, but rather make the play to get out of the zone the right way and, and start the rush the right way. Those things are really important. Um, and they really haven't anybody that's great at that. I mean, I mean, Provorov's okay at it. I mean, Sanheim's okay at it at times. They don't really have a guy who is consistently good at transitioning from their own end with the puck and getting it out quick and moving and getting the, the rush up the other way going fast. And they feel like Cam York is somebody who can do that. And Bundy will tell you. I mean, if your partner puts you in that position time after time after time, it, it becomes frustrating, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. There's no question about it. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to be just have to be like, again, and, and that'll come down to, you know, him moving the puck well. But again, you know, what what exactly – Torts, what is Torts is here. How good is he in his own zone? How well does he compete? I always say for smaller defensemen with that offensive flair – I always say watch Duncan Keith, mm-hmm. uh, the way he played his stick when he was in his prime. He had an amazing stick for a smaller player. Uh, mm-hmm. He wasn't a towering stalwart defensively, but he had a great stick. Like an Eric Desjardins, who was just such an amazing player at it. But, yeah, they'll have to be that. You know, the one thing you, people like to you know, say, like, is ghost, was Ghost like a ghost buster? And someone said, is Cam York ghost busters too? I said, mm-hmm. I don't think so. But, you know, Shane Gosper is still playing in the league. He's in Phoenix, and he's been a pretty off, effective offensive player for them. But his demise ultimately was his defensive play. You know, yeah. if his game was a little bit more committed, had a little bit more edge. And I told him that over the years. Just by said, just watch Duncan Keith. You don't have to play like you don't have to kill anybody. You just get a good stick on puck, be in good position. And that'll that'll be the same thing will be 
it'll be the same thing for Cam York. I mean, there's been defensemen, Anthony, over the years that were picked really high. Uh, the, the kid in Columbus one year, I think his last name was Murray. Was he the defenseman? Yeah. Uh, he got picked, and he ended up going to Carolina from there. He was supposed to be a game-changing, you know, offensive defenseman, and it never worked out in the league. He wasn't a fleet of feet, you know, not a super speedster. But so you got to be good in your own zone, and if you're not, and you're a good offensive player, it, it may not work out really well for you, and you find yourself in limited situations in the league where you want to play in all situations if you're a top top guy. Yeah, yeah it's. I think I think it's when you draft an offensive defenseman that high, that's a that's a gamble, right? In a lot of ways, because. Yes, the skill you see the skill level there, and and you you hope that you know that trans transitions well and translates well to the NHL. But man, you got to be able to play. You, the, the reason that your position is called defenseman is because you have to be able to play defense. And only very few guys ha- were able to get by in this league as star players as defensemen, where they were just okay defensively, but were dominant offensively. Right, I mean, you really have to go back to an era when the game was much more offensive than it is now to, to name those players. I mean, really, I, is there a player in the in the game today that is really offensive minded but not great in his own zone, but is really a top end defenseman? I I don't you, know. You could have made the case a year ago that Tony D'Angelo was getting close to that ilk. No, but no, no, no follow me because. An offensive, a a solid yeah. offensive defenseman who was playing on a very good team that Jones. was on their front foot all the time. Seth that Jones masked his defensive efficiency. Yeah, Seth Jones used to used to be that guy. I mean, I really got to go back to like you know when Tampa was good with like Dan Boyle, right? <laughs> or, yeah. or or you know those kinds of players who would put up a ton of points offensively and weren't great defensively, but you kind of accepted that because of how productive they were on the offensive end um maybe what's his name from uh when he was with san jose um burns yeah. right a few years back i mean maybe maybe i mean that's kind of a, another player that maybe you kind of look at it from that perspective you say okay he was a good player for a long time with a team where he was more offensive than defensive and it it worked right they got to the stanley cup final he didn't win but they got to the final um so Brent Burns. I mean, but really, you really got to – you can count him on one hand. I mean, McCarr is a good defensive player too, as great as he is offensively, right? So so it's not him. Um, I mean, Eric Carlson had a couple of great years in Ottawa and then really kind of shit the bed a little bit. But now he's bounced back. He's having a really nice season this year. Um, so maybe, you know, you look and say, okay, Carlson got away with it for a few years. So you got guys who've been able to do it here and there. But no, you have to be a good defensive player if you're a defenseman. And so that's why it becomes riskier when you take that high-end offensive guy in a first round. I almost think when you draft a defenseman in the first round, you should be drafting a guy who you think is going to be a hammer, who's going to be a a shutdown guy. And then you hope to develop an offensive defenseman maybe in a second or a third round. And I don't sound right to you, Bundy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The guy I was thinking about too, that was the defensive guy, was Ryan Murray. He ended up winning yeah. a cup last year in Colorado, but yeah. he was a guy who got drafted 2012, had some injuries, and but he was not good in his own zone. And that ended up kind of debunking his career coming off the end of it because when you're not good in your own zone and you're a smaller guy, an offensive guy, you got to do something in your zone to make yourself prominent. And I'm t- same goes for a guy like Duncan Keith. He knew well enough and he had a great partner, you know, with, uh, with, with Seabrook. 
They're yeah. a great pair, but but they both were very, very good players in their own zone as well. Does it compound things? And this isn't to to go into a full dive here, but like does it compound things that this organization chose to draft a smaller offensive-minded defenseman in place of a guy that most saw the, uh, I don't know, if we go elite, but like legitimate goal-scoring potential who also happens to be smaller in, in Caulfield. Like, I, I get that Caulfield is much smaller, but I, like... I want I want to caution, though, a little bit on this, Russell. Yes, Caulfield has obviously turned into a, a pretty good player early. Um, offensive players usually do develop a little bit quicker, especially wingers. Um, just because they have less responsibility <laughs> than than a defenseman. I mean, a defenseman, you, it takes a little bit longer. So I think the jury is actually still out here, also because um, they also drafted. They they were able to. They knew they were going to be able to get Bobby Brink in the second round. You got to remember he's been hurt all year. So you know people kind of forget the fact that that he's a prospect that they also like a lot. Um, he played a little bit at the end of the year with the big club last season, right? And there was so you saw some signs of hey, this kid could be could be decent. Um, so if really, when you look, I think you have to wait a couple of years and then look ahead and say, okay, does the combination of York and Brink together did that work out better than Caulfield by himself? I think that answer we won't know for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, hey, so. we had a. There, there was another question here that we can we can spin this back to positivity. Hashtag positivity. Um, Tiara1023 in the community asked, do you see any progress with the young players? Uh, this person notes that they like Noah Cates of late, and he seems to be making some strides. Are, are there any young guys right now who have caught your eye that, that seem to be taking positive steps forward or at least have over, say, the last five games? Well, I think I mean Kate's makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you listen to Torts, uh, you know he he sang his praises last night again. He said, "Here's a kid that I'm putting him in a position he's never played, and he's going out there and and being a leader on the team." He's you know said that he was like the one guy who looked good in the first period yesterday. He said we looked terrible, you know, outside obviously Carter Hart. I mean, Hart was fantastic. He had 48 saves, but. Um, he meant skaters. Of the skaters, he was talking about Noah Cates. I mean, Cates had assists on both goals last night and and has been a guy that Torts has leaned on as a young player to play a position he's never played, to kind of be higher in the lineup than you ever expected him to be. And while he's not putting up numbers per se, he is definitely playing good hockey. And so ultimately you can look at it and say, okay, so when this team starts to get better, whenever that might be down the road, will Noah Case be a part of it? The answer is probably yes. Probably not as a first or second line guy, but maybe as your third line center, maybe he's, he's a very good third line center down the road. And you know how much, how important those guys are. Right. And, and so Torts really likes where he's at now. I think that that's probably the young guy, who has stuck out the most so far this season. Okay. It looks like Bundy agrees. All right, guys. Um, no, I do. I did this really quick for me. I actually, it's funny. I called Bill Meltzer the next day after the frost four point game. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I spoke in the bear a little bit, right? Cause I like to Bill. I go, you know what? That's the worst thing that happened to Morgan Frost last night. He's going to get a big head or what? That's awesome. I believe That's it was awesome. a joke. Yeah. Four points in a uh, game. You got you got to do it the next night, Bill. Four points one night means you got to get four the next two. <laughs> Bunny, I know we're, I know we're about to wrap this up, yeah. but I got to tell you, 
just in preparation. Got to get you prepared because Russ is about to read some five-star reviews. And finally, after all this time where he has begged and pleaded people, if you want to leave a negative review, give us five stars and I will read it no matter what you write on the, in the review. So it's, it's an anti-Russ five-star, but it's coming. Five coming stars, baby. That's all I care about. Momentarily. <laughs> That's all I care about. I can't well, get the I, patience. We though, appreciate the five stars, and I'm, I'm ready to listen. Listen, I've been dumped on enough in my life in every corner. <laughs> so if you got something to say about me, let her rip. Uh, and it goes in one ear and out the other. It's a trained new trade I have. <laughs> uh, this is no it's more it's anti-russ it's not anti-bunny but go ahead russ I knew whatever you're ready get i knew this was going to get anthony beyond excited <laughs> right. i can't wait for this this is yeah. the most excited anthony's been since he thought i was going to hang his tvs for him which by the way i don't think anybody got, has done yet so i hung i hung one of them did you the big one the new one yeah how long did it take to fall out of the wall all right it hasn't it hasn't here we go uh and i think we have two new Two new five-star reviews? Either two or three. I have to it's, look. I think it's two. Because we talked about Darth McYoda last week. I yeah, think we that did, name yes. made Bundy yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah. All right, so here we go. MC375579. Five stars. Fire Russ with a PH. I love that. I love that. Fire Russ. Hey, Russ, how many five-star reviews will it take for you to leave this pod? Everything else about the podcast is truly five stars. <laughs> I don't know. I have to come up with a number. I'll, I will, I'll come up with it, MC. I will. <laughs> But he loved it. He loved it. <laughs> oh, it's great. And we have another one here from I don't know how how to say this name. Totoro, Toduro. Yeah. Um, like five stars. Movie. So Anthony and Reverend Lovejoy. Ant was laughing a bunch uh shows back when Reverend Lovejoy said Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. So Anthony, who do you have representing the NFC in the big game? Let's start there. And then I'll resume. I, I, uh, I think we saw them last night. Yes. Yes, we did. Yes, we San did. San Francisco Niners. 49ers. They're the only team I think that can beat the Eagles. I agree with that. I, I don't, I don't, Dallas doesn't scare me a little bit, nope. and the rest of the NFC sucks. But San Francisco is the team. I think it's going to be Eagles 49ers NFC championship yeah. game. And, and I think that the 49ers, barring further injuries, I mean, that's, a, you want to talk about a team that gets injuries out there. They got players on the IR all over the place. Yeah. And still win. And their defense is sensational. Nasty. And, if, yeah. and that's what I said. And I said it on Crossing Broadcast the other day. If the Eagles can beat that, we're going to play Dallas one week and 49ers the next. If you can beat those two teams back-to-back weeks to get to the Super Bowl, that's saying something about the Eagles. That's a, that, that would be a feather in the cap for the Eagles, 100%. Yes. But I think that the 49ers are the best team in, in the NFC. Brock Purdy can win games, but can he win one on a cold, wet night in South I Philadelphia? Think the Eagles, I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC, but I think the Niners are the only team, I think, that can actually come into the link and beat them. Yeah, oh, that's McCaffrey, fair. That's, 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 McCaffrey is going to have himself quite the game in the quality. NFC Championship game. Like That that would be we'll, – we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to continue this review. Reverend Lovejoy hinted that people who work slash write for these paywall websites, um, the reporters, oh, and then asks, do the reporters and writers for The Athletic have to buy their own airfare to these games? I'm putting you guys on the spot. What's the story? Love the impression of the Flyers version of Dave Spadaro. Can we get another one but him actually being truthful about the Flyers? <laughs> wow. Um, so the, the question about the airfare this came up because we were talking at the end of, I think it was two episodes ago about the um, 
the issue that came up with uh, the Inquirer writers or, you know, the with with Tortorella. And I mentioned that, like, you, know, you should almost be grateful to an extent that, like, your your outlet is still Paying expensing or allowing yeah. you to expense going to these games because not everyone is. I, I do know that Charlie O'Connor, who writes for The Athletic, does a nice job for them. He he has not been to every away game, which to, would I believe there's been a big there's been a big cutback in, in that, travel. That for they're the not athletic. sending not just Charlie, but I, I think this is happening all around and also not just for the NHL. I think this is happening for other sports as well, that the athletic is not paying. Um, this is not a shot at, at, at him. Uh, maybe it might be a shot at the athletic. Remember, this is a company that hemorrhaged money that used uh, <laughs> all kinds of uh, uh, angel investors to, you know, raise the funds to go out and build this massive sports uh, content empire. And then, um, well, they, they burned through a ton of money. So uh, and then they got acquired by The New York Times, which has its issues of its own. So that's its own thing. Um, that's where that that's where that's at. Yeah, they, I mean, as, but I, just as I say for this, Russ, as for everyone else, I mean, you can tell when you go to when you watch a Flyers road game, and you hear the same the, all the questions in the press conferences are being asked by either Olivia or Gianna, for the most part, that's telling you that no one is traveling, and and that's a that's a thing around the sport. I mean, around the sport and really in other sports as well. Maybe not as much in other sports. Obviously, you know, the NFL's got a little bit more of a following in the NBA. Uh, I think people travel a little bit more with those sports. But I think you see it in baseball, too, where it's they'll let the they'll let the road writers or the Associated Press or MLB.com's writers handle that more than, you know, letting sending someone out there and have to pay all that money and airfare and hotels and expenses on meals and the thing. Um, and, and to be fair, this is because. Some people in, in my business abused the shit out of this for years and years and years and years. There was no reason to take fly first class. There was no reason to stay at the most expensive hotels. There was no reason to ha be expensing meals that were $150, be constantly drinking wine with every meal. Like these writers were just doing this on a regular basis. Tim Panaccio comes straight to I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw that guy, I saw that guy eat at a steak joint one night. I think it was in like actually Denver. I was like, is this guy, when is the king and queen joining you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was un It's unbelievable. So, I mean, for years that kind of stuff has been abused. And, and now the, these media outlets are like, we don't need to spend that money. We can yeah. cover it just as easily from home. Yeah, right. okay, you don't have the access to the immediately after the game, but you know what? People don't care anymore to have that. Like you were, we're not writing game stories like we used to. It's different now. It's more analysis, which you yeah. can analyze just watching it, and and less about actually being there. Um, which is so, why, and and it's not a shot. So at, that's the at, answer at, at Olivia and Gianna, but like it's shocking to me that the Inquirer who have also lost a lot of money and have also talked about massive cuts to staff Continues paying, to spend that money are, are paying two writers for a horrible hockey team to go across the country and cover a team to get some like basic generic answers like that. Not two, not one, but two. Yeah. yeah like the, the, the overall media landscape has been changing. And, and I think in other markets it changed first, um, they felt that kind of constriction, right? 
but like it, it's hitting here and this is not the only major market that yeah. it's happened in. It, it's just kind of befuddling to me. That, just like, say one more like, thing. I'll, I'll be honest thing. with you guys. I'm surprised the broadcast went back on the road. You can say what you want. Uh, but there's a money, there's a hotel fee involved for everybody, those producers that go on the road and they love getting on their high horse and, and everything too. And I'm telling you right now, you can actually do hockey games from a remote location. Whether they want to say it or not, you can do a hockey game both on a radio broadcast and a TV broadcast, and it will not. you do not have to spend the travel money that it costs to send these guys on the road. And that's coming from a former broadcaster. I'm telling yeah. you, it can, do, it can do it. And the only one who's on comfortable as a play-by-play guy because he doesn't see the numbers oh well too bad that's a new business model yeah i mean there there's certainly truth to that and like let's not forget like there are other leagues where this happens this is like you watch any international soccer league for the most part those though the color and the play-by-play guy are remote in a studio studio. or even in or even in their home like in the comfort of their home ray hudson who i love who's like the most over-the-top color commentator in, in international soccer is like sitting in a room in his house watching on a monitor. And you would think that he's like sitting at the Camp Nou watching, you know, Barcelona. Like, I'm not saying that it's good. I'm not saying that I'd prefer it. And and we've seen in the past how weird it is and like how disjointed it can be. But over time, you would think that they'd be able to kind of reduce some of the issues or maybe like some of that feeling of not being there. But um, anyway, I think that's about maybe where we leave it this week. Is there anything that you guys, anything else? Bundy, do you have any signings coming up here as we get into the holidays? Uh, you know, do you want to? No other signings, but I would love to. I know we want to talk. I know we've been meaning to get into maybe next week if we have a chance, guys, we can get into Road to Redemption a little bit. If, have you got a book yet, Russ? Did you get one yet? Okay. No, sir. Uh, why don't you, when we're done, send me an address and I'll mail you one. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I love it. I, I read the whole thing in. Yeah. I read it in three, I read it in th- three days. Yeah. Three days, yeah, buddy. I'll, I'll have that thing read. ASAP if you Rocky. actually do it longer, Russ, because I have a coloring book section for you. <laughs> oh, that's so, you. Uh, it might take me four. All right, wrap it up. Let's go. I'm not going to say. I think it's really nice. That, I think it's really nice. I think it's nice that you guys come out with an audiobook so you can go back and enjoy your own. Your own <laughs> <laughs> I, told you, I had one of, our, one of my ice warriors, you know, for ice war, says to me, he goes, hey, Bundy. Do you have the, the book coming out in audiobook? I go, yes, it does. He goes, I, I can read. He goes, I just wanted to see if it came out because I tried <laughs> <laughs> He goes, I actually can read. He goes, I just wanted I like listening because I'm a truck driver. I'm like, yes. Oh, that's good. Good. That's fast. That's good. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, a good spot to end for this week. Thank you so much for watching and listening to Snow the Goalie. Don't forget, you can watch every episode. Uh, you can look at our smiles. You can... Watches Anthony, uh, absolutely like a like a pig eating crap. Uh, while I read that five star <laughs> review asking for me to leave, you can watch that over on the uh, Crossing Broad YouTube channel. If you go onto YouTube and you just look up Snow the Goalie, you'll find the playlist with all the episodes. You can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. I think I don't remember where I'm Pandora, but we're pretty much everywhere. All right. You have a phone, you have any kind of device. Remember, if you have a, a smart device, something that has Siri or Alexa or Google or whatever, you can ask it to play the latest episode of Snow the Goalie of Flyers podcast, hands-free. Listen to us. Fill up your home uh, with our voices while you're preparing, uh, I don't know, Christmas cookies or you're lighting the menorah or whatever. Like, have have at it. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And like we said a few weeks ago, tell two people, tell yeah. two Flyers fans in your life, As we get closer to the holidays here, you're going to be spending time likely with friends and family. Let them know about Snow the Goalie. 
big thank you. So find Ann on Twitter at Ann Philly, Bunny on Twitter at Cetarian6. You can find the show on Twitter at SnowTheGoalie, Instagram at SnowTheGoalie, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. And if all that's too confusing, just go to SnowTheGoalie.com where you can find the most update episode uh, in audio and video form. So for Ant, for Bunny, I'm Russ. Thanks for watching or maybe even listening to Snow the Goalie. Talk to you next week.